Alright, uh, this is the latest podcast, not done one for over a month, so I thought I'd do the latest one. And I realised on the last one I spoke for like 30 minutes on the last one and then had to edit it down because I can, it has to be a certain size limit for the service I use, so it has to be around 20 minutes, which I think is a pretty good length anyway for a podcast. And uh, in the last one I was clicking my mouse quite a lot because I pause, I like to pause when I'm talking. I'm not someone who just rants endlessly, uh, it just doesn't come naturally to me. Um, so yeah, I kept clicking the mouse. I thought that was a bit invasive. So I figured out there's another button. I just pressed it there and that's not quite as in your face. Uh, yeah, so that won't be going on quite as much with this one. And yeah, there's a couple of light things before I get into it really. Um, the topic for this this, this session is, uh, yeah, I was in re- Ukraine. As some of you might have noticed, I did some reviews on visiting the city, visiting Chernobyl as well. I got visiting Kiev, the city. And then Chernobyl's about two hour drive um, and then it's a day tour, and then they take you around, uh, lots of radiation checks and visiting some legendary sites. And yeah, that was an incredible experience. I highly recommend it if anyone feels um, like going. Kiev itself is also a fantastic city with lots of cultural stuff going on, um, which you can see on my Instagram account if you fancy checking, the, like along with the millions of followers. But yeah, some of you may be saying, am I alive? Yeah, probably, I think. I think this confirms it, doesn't it? And radioactive maybe that's probably my shoes will certainly be slightly more radioactive than normal but otherwise it's the because of the new confinement unit over the actual power plant it's um it's quite reasonably safe you can't live there (laughs) but uh, it's the exclusion zone but if you visit it it's you know it's more dangerous taking the flight over to ukraine you get more radiation from that than you do from chernobyl these days uh certainly visiting in certain areas. But yeah, I'm gonna, that's enough of that. I'm going to get on with the topic at hand here because uh, I was going to do, just figured this is a video game post podcast for people who don't play video games because I think a lot of people, I still come across people online who, I mean, for instance, in my family, uh, I'm the only person who plays video games in my family. I think uh, my parents are certainly not interested. And my sister, I get the impression, thinks it's stupid and what children or teenagers do who need to get a life. Uh, which is, I think, pretty ignorant stance, but I see it kind of reflected a lot online. With especially certainly older generations, I often just come across older guys in their 50, 60 plus guy, you know, it's like computer game, he needs to get a girlfriend, and it's just like talking about that sort of stuff. And then someone was saying that about Charles Leclerc, who's a Formula One driver, if you didn't know, he drives for Ferrari. Um, he likes video games, and during the pandemic, him and some other um, younger drivers were playing lots of Twitch streaming, so just to keep people, you know, everyone was in lockdown, they were just entertaining people and everything like that. And they were there, just these people on this F1 comment site, just ranting about, oh, computer game, you need to get a girlfriend. It's, it's Charles Leclerc, you know, he's tw- like 21, I think. No, he's, he's 23. Uh, he's a for- Formula One driver, Ferrari driver, and uh, he's been successful. He's a big deal. He has got a girlfriend. And he also likes playing video games. And <laughs> why does he like playing video games? Because they're good fun. And it's no different from watching a film or pl- reading a book or watching a TV program. So it's, I think this 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 um, generational divide in many respects. So it's like the older generation is just not used to playing video games and have become used to the idea that it's just for children or spotty teenage lads who haven't grown up yet. Which really isn't the case these days. I mean, I, uh, I mean, you do get some gamers who just like. All they do is play video games, and you know that's all they did at the time. So, which I think is kind of very sort of restricting yourself enormously by doing that. In the same way, people who don't play video games are sort of missing out on incredible sort of artistic and intellectual opportunities. 
uh, that they provide, which I hope I'll be able to depict in uh, in this podcast and in the blog post that's going to be supporting all this. But yeah, I mean, for myself, I like to. I don't actually play video games that much. So I might play them maybe four or five hours a week would be unusual. I usually restrict it quite a lot. And I, as I'll explain, I tend to play indie games, which are smaller um, projects from smaller teams that are dotted all around the world. Often, just one person will, will dedicate a couple of years to creating this, like a video game, like Axiom Verge, for instance, or Stardew Valley. Uh, Stardew Valley is a very relaxing game, which anyone can get into. But yes, I like I. I've always just played video games as long as I can remember. From a kid, my parents got me a Nintendo Entertainment System probably in 1988 or something like that. And one of my first memories was playing that in my bedroom, uh, playing Super Mario Brothers. Whilst my mother and sister, I remember them sitting on the bed on the other side laughing at me because when I went to jump with Mario, I jumped with Mario. Yeah, because I was like four or something or five. And so, yeah, that's kind of been with me ever since. I've, play, I've always just played Nintendo's games because they're great fun and very imaginative. And uh, I think one of the things with gaming is people will look at it. Even gamers go like, there are a lot of very sort of ignorant gamers that just like say, oh, Nintendo games are for kids. And it's, well, it's not, you know, the, it's like, you know, it's like Studio Ghibli. It's, like, you know, it's, it's for all ages. It's not just for kids. It's inclusive. You know? But I want to get into the broader sort of reach of, how kind of toxic the gaming community is because I'm not just going to leave that out of this podcast but there are a lot of really fantastic sort of uh, gamers as well across the world and I know I've met them all a few of them from blogging and everything like that and sort of very open-minded and cool but yeah so for me it's just that Nintendo and I I have like I've always had Nintendo games uh, consoles and I've got Steam, which is like a Netflix of gaming. That's the best way to describe it, which you, anyone can download. You just need a laptop. You can just download it and play. There's a lot of free games on there. Uh, yes, yeah, so I kind of always been a PC gamer as well. I've got like an Xbox. Uh, so for me, it's just like I genuinely, but I read a lot as well. I watch a lot of films. I'm, I spend most of my time writing, to be honest. I've got a lot of interests. I don't, my life isn't overwhelmed with video games. I just play them for, I mean, why do I play them? Okay, so it's, it's generally it's escapism. You get that kind of uh, enjoyment factor out of it. Is fantastic sort of stress relief, and if you've had like a crap day or something like that, you can just immerse yourself in some, some fantastic video game, and it does just take your mind off things. And it's just very relaxing, inspiring sort of experience. Um, like if you've got a big TV, then put your headphones on and just get drawn into this world. It's like you know, in the same way that stress relief, some people will read a book. Except the difference here is you're kind of just more immersed in it in, um, in a different way. So it's the escapist aspect. Now, intellectual pursuit. I made a list here of reasons why I play video games. And I put intellectual pursuit, and people may wonder, video game. But there are a lot of very intellectually stimulating and challenging video games. And I'm going to put sort of a list for some of these in, in the post, which you can check out. And I think a good example there would be like Tetris, for instance, which is a very accessible game anyone can play. Um, but there are lots of other strate strategic games as well. But I think one of the game I'm actually going to highlight is called The Curse of Monkey Island, which is a point-and-click adventure puzzle game. Um, and it's just okay, it's just a mixture of, sort of high levels of sort of artistic sort of it's sort of hand-drawn. It's very beautiful to look at. The soundtrack's amazing. It's the script's wonderful. It's very charming and funny. Uh, engaging and memorable. There's this character called Murray the Skull who's hilarious. Uh, and, it, and you just play it and you just sort of move through it and it's just very challenging and 
but at the same time just very accessible and enjoyable. I mean, that's it, really. There are, there are so many indie games around as well, which I can point to. I mean, I often cover indie games on my blog because there are, okay, just to sort of explain here, but like in the industry, there's called AAA games. These are the AAA blockbuster titles that, um, that are, that's like the equivalent of like the major superhero films that come out these days. And so they're very popular and everything like that. And a lot of these games are shooty, boom, boom, rat a tat tat, ultra violence sort of stuff. They're kind of generally, the weird thing with gaming is these are sort of bracketed in as, you know, mature titles, even though it's, you know, which mature gamers, true gamers play this sort of nonsense. Uh, well, it's not nonsense. If you want to play it, fine. But yeah, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, it's seen as this is what mature people date. The children play Nintendo games like Zelda Breath of the Wild or something, which is generally regarded as the best game ever. Uh, and it, I just feel like things like that Call of Duty and that Battlefield and that sort of thing. But these games are aimed at teenagers, you know, and it's juvenile violence. Rastat boom kind of stuff. I mean, it's fine if you want to play it, but just go, don't go around thinking this is maturity defined. You know, I, I think that sort of stuff is what kind of creates this negative industry for video game industry because it's just a lot of gamers just focus in on these hyper violent games. Um, whereas if you focus in on the indie scene, I mean, I'll point it, I'll put a list in to the uh, post, but something like Inside for something, which is an astonishing sort of visceral experience, unlike anything you can imagine. All, uh, what's it called? Thumper, which is this rhythm rhythm video game where you have to time with the music, and it's again, it's just this sensory overload sort of experience that you just would not be able to believe. It's really intense and just enthralling, and so that sort of, sort of intellectual pursuit with all that, you know, it challenges challenges your brain in the way that uh, sort of reading and um, watching a film doesn't do and can't do. Because uh, it's just a different sort of experience. Because you're a passive observer, observer really, in re when you're reading and or watching a film. Whereas video games, you're involved in it. You're in there. It's tangible, and it's down to you to whether you sort of how you progress in these things and how well you do. So that level of involvement sort of stepped up. Not that I think it's sort of a negative thing for books and films to do that. I don't think it's like video games are a step above in that respect. It's just a sort of different type of experience. Um, so yeah, alongside that, it's just, um, and like I said, I generally play indie, indie games as opposed to AAA games. So, like, I mean, Nintendo's games are classified as like AAA games, like Metroid Dread just came out yesterday I've been playing and it's really outstandingly good. But it's also, the way it's done is actually like an indie game, because there's a lot of Metroidvania games are in that, inspired by that series, but uh, it plays out like that, uh, like an indie game, even though it's a major production from Nintendo. Uh, I, generally, I play Nintendo's games because the there are, the titles are just exceptionally good. They are quite outstanding and genius most of the time. Anyway, I mean, they have these smaller family-friendly titles sort of like Mario Tennis and Mario Pike that are kind of aimed at kids and being family-friendly and fun and that sort of stuff. But they, Nintendo promote creativity with kids. That's the whole point, one aspect of their business. They want to inspire. There's the, one of the lead guys who made like Mario, Zelda and all these games it's called Shigeru Maimato. He's, he's in his early 70s now, I believe. Correction, he's 68. But he's uh, he's a very interesting character. He's a creative genius, and he's he doesn't actually play video games. That's one of the weird things. But he's still able to sort of make all these incredible video games because he, he just sort of understands. His, his idea is that he makes the person involved in it, the director. He just gives them these tools, and then you go off and direct the experience involved in the video game. But he's also very big on sort of providing sort of inspiring creative opportunities for children. So Nintendo, like recently, like they did this Nintendo Labo with these cardboard box things to sort of 
make kids create stuff and they keep creating games like uh, there's, there's one uh, there's an actual game coming out that they've done where they, you create your own video games in it. so they're very big on sort of making creative opportunities um, which is sort of what indie games do as well they're very creative um, not so much in the you know in the Nintendo Labo sort of stuff but they get you get you thinking the way that AA games don't in many ways because they take bold risks and take unique ideas again like with Thumper or something like that and interesting, a lot of these sort of indie games are kind of rooted in sort of uh, early '90s sort of Super Nintendo era video gaming, uh, which is kind of visit, viewed as like the heyday of video games. Uh, the SNES is generally kind of a lot of people will say that SNES is the best games console of all time just because of the quality of games that were coming out. Um, so I mean, and that's what the indie game scene gen generally channels, and just has this sort of imaginative breach uh, breath to it. And that's one of the things, I, again, with the video games, that's why I like people play video games, because it's this sense of the level of imagination. I mean, a lot of people can immerse themselves in these enormous worlds, and massive multiplayer online worlds, where there's like this vast community. Uh, the social aspect of gaming is very big these days. A game like World of Warcraft, for instance, um, and there are many others. But people go online, and they meet people, and they sort of, in, sort of chat, and interact with each other, and get on with each other. You know, there's been instances of people meeting online and getting married through video games. And there's also a lot of toxicity and unpleasantness, of course, which I'm, I'm trying to steer clear of, uh, which is generally caused by either sort of very ignorant, stupid people or um, teenagers and children who play video games. And so, which I mean, of course they do. These people, I mean, video games are for all ages, that's the thing. But a lot of kids and teenagers, of course, play video games. Um, so, and that's one of the things I don't like about gaming is that there's this huge sect of video gamers who are incredibly entitled, spoiled, and just obnoxious and unpleasant. But I generally try to avoid that a lot. And you do come across them from time to time. I've had a few of them comment on my video game posts on my blog, which I will mention, of course, that my blog has nothing to do with video games if you're reading it. But I do run two posts on Sunday, which I decided to start doing a few years ago just to cover. Just to sort of introduce people who don't play video games to just the artistic breadth and sort of again all these intellectual aspects of these video games that I, that I play, and I you try and pick these sort of interesting um, projects that have been that have been launched like recently. It's a game called Hoa, which is very much in style of a Studio Ghibli um, film. It's been inspired by that. It's an indie game. Uh, it's a very peaceful game to play. It's very relaxing. It's very accessible. It's the type of game you can just download straight away and play it, even if you know nothing about video games. Um, and there's just the most beautiful soundtrack with it as well. It's a really gorgeous, sweeping thing. And I'll get to the soundtrack thing in a bit. I'm where I'm kind of running out of time. I need to keep it around to 20 minutes, but this podcast. Uh, so yeah, just cover quickly. I'll cover the final other points. It's like uh, the artistic values of, um, in summary, kind of like the, there are a lot of tremendous artistic values in video games. I think there's this idea that it's not. Um, it's just shooty boom boom games that's not correct. A lot of it takes these developers an enormous amount of effort to produce these things, and they put a lot of love into it, into their projects. Um, so yeah, sort of, like I said, there's a bit of it's kind of the autonomy to playing video games. You can take your own route with things. I think people like that. You know, you can choose your own path in these worlds and sort of just bask in all. I think the very best video games sort of combine everything at once. You've got the artistic aspect of the visual, you know, graphical element, the gameplay can draw you in, uh, the soundtrack kicking in and around that. It's like, you know, when you're watching a really good film and you realize it's like an absolute classic and you're just drawn in and you just sort of, you know, it's this sense of joy comes out. And that's what it's like playing a really fantastic video game. Um, I've had it like you know, Breath of the Wild, for instance, uh, Nintendo's game, which is just 
a masterpiece. Uh, I think I'll point to like Ori and the Blind Forest. I remember when I was playing that for the first time in 2015, and just there's a point just i just increasingly began to realize just how good the game was it's by moon studios it's an indie game and just just kind of getting about halfway through the game maybe towards the end and just realizing jesus you know this is the this is one of the best games i've ever played and it's just absolutely incredible and you just kind of you know, have my earphones on and i was just playing it on this on my laptop with my steam controller and just be, being absolutely overwhelmed by every aspect of it. the storyline, which is very moving and sort of kind of harrowing in a way, but it's portrayed in this kind of, again, sort of Studio Ghibli-esque sort of um, visual appearance. And and sort of the challenge the game promoted, but it's, and sort of the soundtrack, which we'll get to in a moment, but uh, the whole thing, it just sort of sweeps you along with it and you just kind of let breath, you, it takes your breath away. It really just immerses you into this world and you just become very emotionally connected with the experience. It's a very sort of, you know, personal experience playing video games at times. And it's no different from watching a film or a book and just becoming really immersed in it. This is how the sort of effect it has on you when you're playing video games. So, um, I mean, if you're new to video games, you just have to, when you begin playing them, and if you wanted to, have to play them, for instance, after this, and you went off and like got a Nintendo Switch or something like that, or downloaded Steam, then um, you'd have to get used to sort of like the language of video games, how it works, you have the way, there are sort of consistencies in the way games control and what you have to do. And, initially um or other games like indie games often just dumb you in and you just sort of get used to it so you'd have to sort of teach yourself initially how to play video games which would be an interesting experience um but yeah i'm gonna close actually now, i've kind of done this in one take so i don't know if it was all really unstructured but uh i've, I've only got a couple of minutes left and so i just wanted i mean i could go on i could go on for this for, for hours but i think probably keeping it around 20 minutes was probably for the best uh for for you but yeah, I'm going to close on video game soundtracks because one of the big things, if you don't play video games, one of the big things you're shutting yourself away from is just the outstanding quality of the music that's becoming available with, through this stuff. Now, I've tried to highlight it on my blog, with especially with indie game reviews. I usually, at the end of it, like an indie game review, include sort of the music um, from it because it's usually incredibly good. And it's one thing about the indie game scene, it's allowed these composers all around the world who would otherwise never get an opportunity to sort of compose music. And it would never be out there. You know, it's coming out these games, and that's the thing about video games. It just—they're so creative and visually driven and uh, sort of emotive that it just allows for these really interesting sort of world, you know, world music and all this other sort of stuff to come out. And the, the composers can just let their imaginations run wild, whereas like film soundtracks might be a bit more dri sort of what do you call it formulaic, because you know someone's coming at you with an axe or something like that. Like, dun 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 dun. This video games can be, can be more creative and uh, break the mold a little bit, I suppose, and being unique and inventive. And I'll just quickly point to, as a composer, a British composer called Gareth Coker, who's done an outstanding soundtrack for Ori and the Blind Forest and Ori and the Will of Wisps. And uh, I've highlighted this before on the blog, but I mean, you just listen to it. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, you know, this is kind of genius level composer. So I'll put a link to that in the post and just yeah i mentioned a few other bits on music and everything like that but because that's something you should really sort of immerse yourself into even if you don't want to play video games have a look at the music that's being created because this is an incredible landscape of sort of uh, creative might if you will so yeah i suppose coming up to 20 minutes now i mean again i could have banged on for hours more but i, I think it's brevity is important here um, so I will just say that, yeah, I hope this kind of maybe just inspire you to go off and try a few video games in it. But if not, then this is kind of like my understanding. I'm 36, and so this is my what I'm thinking of when I'm playing video games. I'm not just going, duh, shoot, 
to die, death, death. It's much more refined than that. And, you know, uh, I spread my interests around various other things. Video games is also happens to be a part of my cultural intake, and it's a very important part of it. Uh, it's kind of become a part of my makeup uh, with how I approach things. So I just hope that you know, defeats a few stereotypes there. And you know, it's not just immature losers and morons who who do all this stuff. Although obviously I am a moron because that's the name of my blog, I seem to remember. So yeah. Right, so I'll wrap things up there. And hopefully you enjoyed this. And if not, then screw you, I guess. But uh, yeah, so I'll see you on the next one. Have a good weekend. Tatty bye. <laughs>